Welcome to the Randy Tobler Hairband Hour. <laughs> <laughs> this is good, though. <laughs> There's a Van Halen. We're yeah. hip here on this program. You didn't know. <laughs> you were like, what is this? <laughs> we're, well, no, I just, no, I was kidding. Even you know I know what I know, this is. I, I know all these things. I'm just, I'm just having fun. I'm just having fun. No, I don't believe I, you. I really was not. I was not uh, one who was too into the uh, guitar only bands. Uh, I like. I appreciate it, whatever it was popular, but I was a horn player. Well, I am a horn player, and if you're a horn player, that's. I mean, you sort of gravitate to those the, the bands with horns in them. After all, There's a lot of good stuff. You know, we recently been moving, and I been going through my collection of various media and I'm having this struggle. Oh, how you doing there, by the way? Before I get distracted into that story, there's Leah. If you're watching us on uh, Facebook uh, or on Rumble, I hear we had a great Rumble uh, audience a couple weeks ago. I don't know. Maybe it must be because of my good looks, Leah. That's what my wife tells me. Oh, yeah. And then she laughs. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. What do you mean, oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody liked seeing you here in the studio. It was fun to be in the studio. Well, but I'm here in my own studio in the lair. What can you say? It's a little, I haven't yet figured out how to put things up on a slanted ceiling. Because I'm up in the lair. It, it, I'm not in the basement of the lair. I'm in the upper story You of the just lair. tape them to the wall. Tape a poster or something. Maybe, maybe Velcro strips. Sure. Uh, Whatever floats your boat. Yeah, okay. Editor, I got to find some stuff. Maybe, I don't know. Um, so anyway, I've been going, by the way, to set the hour for you. I mean, we got a busy show today. It's great. Uh, Todd Benzman, who is uh, with Center for Immigration Studies, has come out with a new book called Overrun. Here it is. Overrun. Fabulous book. And uh, we're going to talk to him about that. I mean, this is this crisis here. He really breaks it down and he's very fair about it. He talks about some of the missteps that uh, that uh, Greg Abbott and and officials in Texas have done as an example of how that can go awry. And, you know, is sort of folly and politically um, motivated. But, you know, so he gives a fair he's a journalist. He gives a fair treatment of it. But the I mean, look, we'll talk with him about it. It's you won't want to miss it. That's coming up at 725, 745. Senator Jim Talent joins us. And of course, uh, uh, I can't wait to see uh, Jim and Dakota Wood uh, from uh, Heritage being uh, together on the stage. Uh, they're at the View uh, at the top of uh, what used to be called the University Club Tower. I don't know. Is that still what it's called? I don't know. They're at Brentwood. Um, and uh, right down from what P.F. Chang's and what Maggio's and so forth. But um, that's going to be on the 14th. Now, if you didn't get tickets for that, you got to be kicking yourself because it's we're all sold out. It's sold out in ten days. I can't believe it. I mean, well, I can believe it. As people get it, that unless we defend freedom, that there is no country. Just like unless you defend borders, there is no country. So it just doesn't work. Anyway, so I got this dilemma, Leah, and I don't know what to do. And maybe those of you can help me. I'm I'm really struggling with it. Three one four nine one two one zero one nine. You know, we're talking. You played. Uh, you played Rush last. Uh, go go mm-hmm. uh, last bumper. Then you played Van Halen. You we played Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, if you wanted to throw in some Buble or some, uh, you can. Oh, uh, they're all kind of things. Yeah. You don't like Buble? <laughs> um, I don't. I just don't think he's right for seven a.m. on a Saturday. Oh, and my wife and daughters would love you if you played oh. some Buble. They love it. No, but uh, anyway, good, but. You know, uh, you could Diana Crowell, you could play her. She's sort of got that 
got that sexy lounge voice, you know? I, that probably doesn't make it on Saturday morning at yeah, this time. Yeah, I don't know I don't who know. that is either. There's fabulous musician, though. I mean, great singer, piano player. There's all kind of... So I've got all of these albums because you know when i was in the music business dad was in the music business too god rest his soul yesterday was the first anniversary of dad's passing dad used to call me after every show and tell me how great the show was even if it sucked and um and it was so nice so we went out to the gravesite up there in the memorial park up uh, lucas and hunt in 70 Mm -hmm. and mom went up and the family and it was uh, it was a poignant moment now dad and i one of the things we did as kid you know when i was a kid uh, just tons and we went fishing a lot and uh down on the codaway creek and the current river and all that we would do a lot of camping and fishing and then on our lake by the the lair here and and my brother it was really cool my mom put a little bouquet of flowers on the on the little tombstone there but my brother brought a little pregnant minnow now for those of you who are fishermen you know what a pregnant minnow is it's a little it's got the little it's sort of a big belly and then tapers down in the back to a little and it's got three treble hooks it's a solid body lure you know you you rip it through the water when they're spawning in spring it's a great lure those of you who are bass fishermen know um anyway and my brother brought a pregnant minnow and he that's what we put on the gravestone. It was really cute because dad, I'm sure, was laughing, getting a kick out of it. Dad had a great sense of humor. Anyway, dad and I would listen to music all, all day and night and, and in between if there was time between day and night, whenever we could, whenever we weren't working, which was all the time. But uh, so I have boxes and boxes of LPs, uh, uh, CDs, uh, cassette tapes. Some of which are sort of, I don't think, I don't know if they, if you can get them on digital anymore. I mean, I don't know. And I don't know what to do with it because I have all the players to go with them too. And my wife is like, you've got to get rid of this stuff. And I'm, how can I do that? It brings back great memories. And then by the way, I mean, some dates, you know how we are guys. I know guys, I know there are guys out there that are like me. You got, whether it's tools, got some of those, you know, they, you accumulate tools. You're in the middle of a project. And you start into the project and you only have a couple hours to do the project and you cannot find the tool you need. Uh, For me, recently, it's been stud finders. And lo and behold, over the years, I've accumulated not two, but three stud finders because (laughs) because I, you know, you're in the middle of a project. Where did I do with the stud finder? I can't find it. It's in. Where is it? And um Anyway, I don't know how I ended up with three stud finders, but now moving, I found them all because they were in a crevice here and they fell down behind the bench there. You know how that thing goes. But whether it's, what do you do with old media like that? That I mean, I got VCRs of uh, old things that are, I don't know, they're nostalgic. What should I do, Leah? Should I throw them away and just like no. get over it? Or Well. Someday I might listen to them, VCR, you know, when yeah. I'm in the nursing home. Yeah. When yeah. I'm in the nursing home, I might want to just listen to that stuff all day long. When I get the dementia, you know, and, I, and mm-hmm. that'll keep me, you know, from drooling too much. Maybe I won't <laughs> drool as much if I'm listening to the good stuff. I don't know. I know what to do. I've even got laser discs, big 12-inch laser discs. You probably don't even know that no. format existed. I don't know what that so is. So before there were DVDs, there were laser discs. These things were thicker than LPs, and they were shiny silver. You know, they sort of looked like CDs. And, and you put it, you had to spin it, and about halfway through whatever movie, you would uh, you'd turn it over, 
and there would be that. Now, it looks like someone's calling. Someone may, I'm seeing Leah on the phone, so we'll see if anyone has any advice at 314-912-1019. I don't know what to do. I just cannot get rid of, I cannot throw them away. And my wife's right. I mean, rationally, she's absolutely right. I'm normally a, a, a very rational, but you know me, I'm rational. But for some reason, I just can't. It's the nostalgia of it, I guess. I don't know. We have someone on the line? Uh, yes, John. Who? John's on the line. Maybe he's got some advice. What do you do with old media and old formats uh, that I just can't throw away? John, welcome to the Randy Tobler Show. Thanks for being here. What's, yeah. uh, what do you, what, what's yeah, on your mind? Yeah, I used to be on the other show. Yeah, I used to be on the other show. I was just kind of trying to see where you guys went to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad oh. you're here. Yeah, glad okay. you're here. Is yeah, this, okay, good. Yeah, is this yeah, John the first? I think so. Yeah, I used to call frequently, but I don't know what happened. Got disconnected from your from wherever you went to. Well, yeah. but, well I'm glad you're reconnected. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, back. good. Yeah, I'll ask you a question. Um, the the true conservative brand under say Reagan and onwards, or or even backwards from that time, how has it changed between what is it now? Is it more extreme, or is it more extremism? being displayed by you know party members or is it just some or i mean why don't they is there a singular path for for for, for being a conservative it's my question and our thing is uh how does this cancer culture affect people's daily lives are people afraid of of showing their true conservative colors or, or are they just afraid of not being labeled you know their r word or you know any word that they throw on you and yeah. and how do people overcome yeah. that fear all right thanks i'll talk thank you thanks Okay, well, thank you. Well, I was going to have a conversation. I wanted to know what John thought. Yeah. I thought maybe he was going to give me advice on LPs, but uh, that's okay. I'll, that's okay. That'll we'll, that advice will come later. So, here's the way I construct what's going on on the right, if you will, the conservative brand. And I think Donald Trump was probably the uh, the attempt, and maybe the 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 uh, a coarse expression of that. Ronald Reagan was not as conservative as I would have liked to have seen. I think um, Barry Goldwater, yeah, he was conservative. But Reagan was pretty good. He was pretty good. I mean, Reagan made the mistake of implementing the Department of Education, which I think was a huge mistake. Uh, that was passed in Jimmy Carter's era. And then, uh, you know, it, it, Reagan, it was sort of baked in the cake for him. But that was a huge mistake because that was an expansion of government. You saw George Bush, George W. Bush expand government with Medicare Part D. And, you know, it was his compassionate conservatism. And so you've seen conservatives gradually, I think because the conservative mantra, John, tends to be driven by traditional values of um, civility, the American value of compromise, um, and, and reasonable policy. And so the conservatives have allowed themselves over the past few decades to inch towards the left. What used to be the left is now the center. And and finally, enough conservatives had enough muscle starting in 2010 with the Tea Party to say enough. And I think when you get a hyper reactive left that has through their progressive movement that began in the 1910s, well, actually the early 1900s, before 1910, um, but began with the educational indoctrination. They started at the education system and they stated it. It was clear that was their goal. You, you educate the future leaders to have a leftist agenda and what do you get? You get leftist policy. 
the leftist agenda has infiltrated the academy. It's infiltrated uh, media, obviously. Uh, certainly the Democrat Party has become what's now, again, sort of moderate Democrat is what I used to and most conservatives used to call radical. And you look at AOC and, and, and the squad. I mean, look at that. And Joe Biden has adopted the leftist agenda. In fact, I don't have it handy here. Maybe we can find it. I, I might be able to pull it up. But there's a clip of Bernie Sanders on with, uh, was it Stephen Colbert? I think it was Stephen Colbert um, saying, uh, and I know better. I know, I know he likes to say Colbert. I call him Colbert. That's my option. I can do that. I, I identify as a Stephen Colbert namer. Okay, that's what I'm identifying as this morning. Uh, at any rate, he was on, he basically said, yeah, Joe and I worked together and, uh, you know, he adopted some of my policies. We got together after the race and, uh, yeah. So, but my point is when you have, you know, the, the principle, it's a physics principle applied to pol- to politics, John. Remember, uh, every uh, reaction has an equal and opposite reaction. Well, if you have a hyper-political, uh, hyper-aggressive leftist agenda, you're, it's natural that that is going to um, be the genesis of a hyper-aggressive uh, pushback uh, from the right, and that's what you're seeing, and it's it's appropriate. I mean, come on, when you have, is it right, John, for someone who says, "Oh, I woke up today and I really feel like a girl, even though I still got my junk, and I'm going to go into the girls' locker room"? Is that like like that's now mainstream? That's like okay in in most schools across the nation, apparently. If you think that's okay, John, I mean, really, why don't you listen to the program a little bit more? If, you know, I mean, if those of you who would have those tendencies to become progressive, talk to people who have transitioned before they had their prefrontal cortex. Little little neuroscience here, little neuroanatomy. That's where you get judgment centers. That's where Leah, as that develops, Leah will learn to judge that, to judge things more in terms of horns in a band are better than oh, guitars God. only. It's Guitars are good. But Leah, when you get to be 25, 26, and I your am. prefrontal cortex is... Oh, you are? Well, I'm then 25. you're almost there. That's why yeah. you've been, well, that's why, see, that's why you've been appreciating Earth, Wind, and Fire. I understand. That's, see, that's, I could tell. If we can over, only get you over that Taylor Swift thing. We're, we're oh, working gosh. On that, no. no. I'm, kidding. I'm kidding you. <laughs> it could be. All right, there's it, Leo. Yeah. It could be worse. What? Like, I tell my parents that. I'm like, I could be into, like, some bad rappers or something. Oh, like, yeah. You can't. Bad rappers? Yeah. Now that's an oxymoron. Like raunchy. <laughs> that's redundant. Yeah. yeah. I, I could like Cardi yeah. B, which I don't, so. Oh, ah. Mm, no, don't even. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hey, the, the, that should be one of those words banned by yeah. the FCC. <laughs> yeah, there. I agree. Management's going to cut off the power. Don't do that. <laughs> all right. When we come back, we're going to we're gonna lighten it up. It's Saturday morning after all. We have to have fun. Uh, we're going to put on our serious side and talk to Senator Jim Talent because things are getting serious in the world in terms of geopolitics. And you know, when you hear too many people talking about the prospects of a World War III, it gets you nervous. Have a cup of Joe. Let's talk to Senator Jim Talon when we come back here on the Randy Tobler Show. Be right back. There's always been a mystery. Welcome back to the program. Uh, Just Out is a book called Overrun that I would urge you to uh, get on uh, Amazon or go to BDALT, wherever you get your books and buy immediately. Because uh, my guest, Todd Benzman, has been, I think, the most immersive reporter 
on the border crisis that I am aware of. He's from uh, the Center for Immigration Studies and the author of this book, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Todd, thank you for being with me. And your new book is a smash hit, my friend. It's a beauty. It's a beauty. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And and I saw you on C-SPAN Book TV. I've seen that that you're rolling out the book tour here. How are things going so far with the book? Oh, it's doing um, better than I think anybody expected. Uh, it's it's really high on uh, the Amazon bestseller list right now. And it's been like that for uh, four or five days. I'm really pleased with that. People seem to yeah, be responding to it. It's really great. It's uh, the number one bestseller in immigration policy and just a fabulous, fabulous read. For those of you who want to be prepared to address people who don't understand the facts and have a lot of myths that have been propagated and promulgated by the Biden administration and by open border supporters, this is the book to get the facts. And I'm showing it here on our Rumble and our Facebook live feed. There it is, folks. Uh, You want to pick it up um, because Todd really unpacks it so well. And Todd, I think people should know that um, as well as as uh, being a national security fellow at uh, my favorite immigration uh, think tank, Center for Immigration Studies at CIS.org, you also are, are a uh, intelligence counter uh, a counterintelligence uh, expert as well, and so you've actually were were involved in some of the uh, sorting out of uh, terrorism coming across our border, and and you chronicle that in the book. Can you can you go through that aspect of uh, aside from your journalism, that aspect of your involvement in this issue? Sure. Well, after my journalism career ended in two thousand nine, or actually, I was recruited uh, at that point to join the Texas Department of Public Safety intelligence and counterterrorism division uh out of the uh, main headquarters in austin in uh, 2009 and i spent uh nine years almost 10 years uh in that world in the fusion center and uh a lot of what we do in 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 intelligence in texas is has to do with the border for obvious reasons lots and lots of threats of all different sorts coming over the border and threatening Texas cities and towns and communities. So we spent a tremendous amount of time worrying and studying and trying to counter uh, threats coming off of that border. Uh, And among those threats, of course, you know, are people who are coming in from Middle Eastern countries uh, who are on the FBI's watch list. And, of course, you know, the governor and our leadership always wanted to know everything they could about those. And that that always fell to me and my team to brief uh, senior state leaders and legislators on those threats. So we always had to be up to speed on all of that sort of thing. And uh, Todd, as as I was reading through the book, and I'm not through it all because it's very in depth. And and you you sometimes you read the the descriptions you've written of the th- the various threats, the real threats that you I mean viscerally know and have been you know been alongside our our you know our border patrol agents and, and ICE officials and others. Um, I, I read through and I open up uh, chapter thirteen here. 
My collection of disfigured and discarded passports and identity cards of Africans among many other nationalities from around the world should inspire no peace of mind anywhere. And I think that is that sort of um, I think helps the audience understand the real threat on so many levels to Americans. I mean, it's not just the economic carnage on these communities that are running out of resources to, to take care of the people streaming across the border. Um hotels in new york uh, city that uh, you know now businesses around those areas are un are afraid to, uh, you know their their business has gone down because people don't want to patronize them because of the illegal immigrants immigrants put there there's there's a real safety threat to americans and i don't think a lot of folks maybe realize how ubiquitous it could be in short order or am i is that an overreach I don't think so. No, it's it's not the the threat. If I was <clears throat> if I was still in, in the intelligence business, I left in 2018. Uh, you know, I would be warning all of our leaders that the threat is elevated from terrorists, from Islamic terrorist countries. But more than that, I mean, and we've had uh, historic numbers, record-breaking numbers of people on the FBI watch list cross that border and get caught 98 fbi watch listed suspects in 2022 51 so far this year uh those are very disturbing numbers uh those are the ones we caught but they're among uh you know a million two a million five gotaways people that that have gotten through the cordon down there and are you know, that tells us that there are probably some of those people inside the country now. But beyond the terrorist threat is just regular uh, criminality. Uh, that million and a million and a half gotaways is going to be a high concentration of criminality. Those are the people that can't be caught. If they get caught, they'll be returned immediately. So they're running and gunning in huge numbers, the biggest numbers we've ever seen, getting away into the interior, hundreds of thousands, 60, 70, 80,000 every single month, getting right through because the border is swamped and overrun. And when the border is swamped and overrun, the risks elevate. It's, you can't, it can't go anywhere but up. Uh, that rapists, murderers, Slavers, uh, armed robbers, people with criminal convictions that have been deported, they're all coming back. They're all coming back right now. I've seen them. I've met them. I'm reading government reports. Uh, it's, it's happening. And I think that is going to be with us for generations. I, it's going to be a long, long time before we can get these gangbangers out, these prison ex-cons, uh, the, the child molesters that we're importing into the country. I'm not saying everybody's a child molester or anything like that. Don't accuse me of it, but but definitely a high concentration of that sort of thing in the pool coming over. 
talking with Todd Benzman, uh, Senior uh, National Security Fellow at uh, Center for Immigration Studies.org, with his new book, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a winner, and it's already a number one uh, bestseller on Amazon. So, uh, folks, you need, to, you need to pick it up, and you need to read it. And really, it's, 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 it's going to become my Bible of sort of this crisis as I discuss this with people that are, um, you know, that are either naive or misinformed. And, and, and I wanted to speak now to a new proposed rule and get your opinion on that, Todd. And the reason I think it's so important that we do this is I noticed in the book, as with your journalistic background, your intelligence background, one thing that gives your book so much credibility and that really the left will have no, no reason to say, well, this guy is just a right wing, uh, you know, f- uh, wild eyed radical, you know, uh, who's who's a who's a nativist. Uh, you 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 don't take, say that uh, anyway. Gov- I, they will. But you take Governor Abbott and the Texas officials to task for some failed and politically motivated. Um, I, I, not your words, mine. Um, a stunts to try to address people's real concerns, uh, Texans, at the failure of the feds to defend the border, Biden's administration. But how, you know, and you properly and credibly say, hey, you know, and, and you got you you got some pushback personally uh, <laughs> when you were trying to remind various people at various levels that, hey, you know, there's limitations to what Texas can do. Uh, you can go through that real quickly for us, because I found it fascinating. And again, it gives you so much credibility when the left tries to push back. Right. Well, I mean, I do give credit to uh, Greg Abbott and my former employer, Texas Department of Public Safety, where it's warranted. And where I think it's warranted is in Operation Lone Star, because yes, yeah, large numbers of very large numbers of Border Patrol agents were redeployed during this thing to do processing duty in uh, to 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 move uh, help people get immigrants get uh, moved into the country, and so they were off the line for hundreds of miles off the line, and. All along that line, very often in Texas, the only people there were Texas Department of Public Safety troopers to catch these gotaways, the runners, the high concentration of criminals, to catch them and get them deported, and also to to catch drug trafficking and drug loads coming through. Having said that, uh, the governor also did some things that just were, you know, just political dressing. Uh, it meant nothing. Things that he would do, you know, declaring, um, you know, the Mexican cartels uh, terrorist organizations that that does nothing uh, to, um, you know, there, there there were a few things that the uh, Texas state of Texas did that that were also effective. One of the most effective, I thought, was. Uh, the governor's closure of the international bridges to international trade and commerce for about four or five days. It was incredibly impactful. Uh, It brought Mexican governors to the negotiating table immediately to agree to start operations on their side against the cartels and against uh, immigrants that were coming across. But then they stopped doing it after three or four days. They took some heat and gave up on it. 
and I lead that chapter. I think it's called the Texas Insurgency. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. And and you know, I take them to task a little bit for you know not not following through with that that. Right. And that and, and, and that makes my yeah. point. Yeah, that makes the point that you're, you know, you're you're fair minded in your in your uh, analysis of this. Now, in the last couple of minutes, we have um, Joe Biden came out just a couple of days ago. A Biden administration with to me was like bombshell. What What's happened? Did they did they give him a shot of, uh, you know, some 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 really powerful dementia medicine or what? But they they've got a, a rule now that uh, go uh, proposed to go into effect May 11th after 30 days of public comment here, but a, a proposed rule through an executive order that would allow rapid deportation of anyone who'd failed to request protection from a country while coming to the United States and would forbid anyone who entered illegally from claiming asylum. Now, that's stuff that I can't argue with. I, if that really comes to fruition, that's good news, isn't it? No, uh, because... Oh, I thought it was like, good news. <laughs> it's not. It's it's window dressing because when you read into the nitty gritty of the details of the, of the proposed rule, you find that is absolutely filled with loopholes and exemptions. For example, it wouldn't apply to unaccompanied minors at all. Uh, They just get right in and are processed straight into the country. And we've, we've got a a record breaking number of uh, unaccompanied minors because of policy. They're responding to, we're letting you all in. And for families, uh, all they have to do to get past that is say, I fear return to Mexico. Don't, if you return me to Mexico, uh, you know, somebody threatened me over there. So you're in, uh, there are, there are exemptions for people who don't speak one of the five languages, uh, that, that is, that, that lets them apply through this online computer app for humanitarian parole. So anybody who doesn't speak any of those five languages and you could, you could see Guatemalans with all kinds of indigenous dialects, uh, just coming right up to the border and say, I don't speak uh, any of those languages and my dialect's not on there. Let me in. So they get in, uh, but really the, the exemptions in that thing are so, uh, frequent so often, uh, there, there's so many of them that it swallows the whole rule up. Oh boy! Oh boy! That's a shame. I yeah. Well, and you know what? Uh, well, I'm, that's why we have you on because you know the stuff like uh, like your name and the back of your hand. I mean, it's uh, this was reported in the New York Times. I'm reading the story yes. now just to check it as you're talking. They don't report on any of those exemptions. That's why no people need to build with exemptions. That's why. That's why people need to take a look at everything Todd Benzman writes, along with his colleagues at CIS.org, and pick up his book, Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest, the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. My guest, Todd Benzman, and we thank you very, very much for all the hard work you've done. And I know there's been lots of sacrifice personally being down there in that very tough area. Thanks, Todd. Really appreciate it. Good luck with the book. Thank you, and thanks for drawing attention to to the book. I appreciate it. I think I think our leadership, and I think most Americans need to have this information because there's just so much misinformation out there. It's incredible. It's all partisan. Yeah, I think I think we need to buy a, we need to reach out and buy a copy for everyone in uh, in the legislature. No doubt. Thanks so much, yeah. my friend. Be good. Thank Take you. Care. 
Todd Benzman. And uh, when we come back now, we'll talk to Senator Jim Talent. Can't wait for that discussion. In just a couple minutes here on the Randy Tobler Show, we'll be talking foreign policy vis-a-vis China, Russia, Ukraine. What does it all mean? Don't miss it here on 1019-941 News Talk STL. David brought a rock to a sword fight. You picked 12 outsiders, nobody would have chosen, and you changed the world a Sunday morning. Welcome back to the program. It's always a pleasure and a real privilege to talk to former Senator and Congressman uh, Jim Talent, of course, chair of the Reagan Institute's National Leadership Council. Jim, thanks for joining me this morning, and thank you for moving your time. We had that scheduled, and I, uh, I blew it. I scheduled you along with uh, with Todd Benzman there, so thanks for uh, for moving along. I appreciate that. It's okay. The fast-moving world of modern radio. It is, and uh, Todd's done some important work on national security and, and terrorist um, influx through the southern border, and it sort of dovetails to, you know, other national security threats that uh, since the Bidens have come into power, the Bidenistas, man, it just seems it went from a relatively uh, secure feeling as an American to a tremendously insecure feeling vis-a-vis what's going on in Ukraine and now the um, the apparent in- increasingly strong alliance between Russia and China. I, that's This has really got me concerned. Am I, am I over-concerned or is there some real reason for Americans to worry? Well, let me answer that in two ways. First of all, we have entered, really entered it several years ago, a permanent state of elevated risk. Okay, in other words, uh, we are not as secure as we were in the post for about 20 years uh, of the post-Cold War era. And the reason is because we have allowed adversaries to become very powerful relative to our strength. Okay, so whenever you're in a situation where major states that want to do you harm are more powerful than you are, you're in elevated state of risk. I do agree with you that I thought the Trump administration was managing those risks much more effectively than Biden's team has done. And so in that sense, yeah. And then this, we have this latest incident or, or this latest potential change of Chinese policy that if that, if this intelligence is correct, which is an if, um, is worrisome. Okay, well that that validates it. But, to, right? in other words, no, that, the Chinese that's, might that is. I the mean, Russians. That's what you're worried about. Well, that they're going to arm them, and then they've signed this sort of no limits friendship agreement. And I know a lot of that's rhetorical, potentially. Mm-hmm. And who are they speaking to? Their own people? I don't know. Trying, but. But then we have Russia, uh, again, is it more um, saber-rattling than reality? They're, they're backing out of the, uh, the nuclear arms treaty. I, I understand that enforcement uh, had been lax on that anyway. But there's just all these tremors that, that seem to speak to um, – uh, uh, they're taking advantage of Biden's uh, feckless way of addressing geopolitics political realities let me put it that way that's my opinion yeah and in Putin's in both cases they're doing the kinds of things that aggressors do so um, Putin is is saber rattling from a nuclear perspective although he hasn't actually threatened to use them he just does things that remind people he has them 
And because of the psychological impact of that, personally, if that's all that was at work in recent news, it wouldn't bother me that much. We can talk if you want about why I, you know, I I, I tend not to credit much the risk that he's going to use tactical nuclear weapons. (laughs) But uh, one of the reasons is that, um, you know, Russian doctrine for for using that calls for Russian forces to be outfitted and trained to operate on an irradiated battlefield. And, you know, right now, uh, there's a question whether they can even get them, you know, the coats they need in winter. So, in other words, your your forces have to operate on that battlefield, too. So I discount, I, you know, it's there, the possibility is there. I'm not that worried about it. <clears throat> if, if the Chinese were to uh, move with with any aggressiveness at all to to supply Putin with basic things like artillery shells that he needs. Yeah, that, that could have an impact on the battlefield. Okay, and here's here's where I wanted to go with that exactly, because, look, I mean, I, I heard the figure, and I don't know whether it's accurate or not, but it makes common sense. I mean, Ukraine is only so big and Russia is, you know, bigger. <laughs> and population-wise, I've heard that uh, there may be as many as 10 to 15 million more uh, fighting age able-bodied men in russia than in ukraine so their their potential pool of fighters is greater and if you arm a larger potential pool of fighters with uh fatal uh materiel from china i my common sense tells me sooner or later they're going to win the war of attrition because ukraine's just going to run out of bodies to pull the trigger or or push the mortar into the into the into the rocket launcher you know i mean one way or another no yeah, if they have a, the, the Russian combat power has been very severely degraded, and there's a question now as we look back on it whether they were ever capable of doing maneuver warfare, a more sophisticated sort of air land battle tactics. <clears throat> but what they can do is, you know, slowly advance by destroying everything in front of them. It's it's an artillery based approach, and it is pretty clear that they're if not running out of shells, they're having to ration. So if they get stuff like that from China, it will enhance their ability to do the relatively limited number of things they can do on a battlefield. And it's also reasonably clear that Ukraine is having to conserve its its ammunition uh, because it, it, it was using it at rates that were unsustainable, you know, given the, the, the problem we have, for example, with our own defense industrial base. We are dealing with the fact, see, lurking behind all this, Randy, is the reality that the Chinese have a much, much more robust defense industrial base than we do. And that's true for land forces. I mean, they have the the biggest shipbuilding capacity in the world. They're building up their nuclear forces now at at a very, very uh, rapid rate, which we couldn't do if we wanted to do. And I think I've said on this show before, action is the result of Pardon me. I don't know what's wrong with my voice this morning, but action is a result of intention and capability. Well, intention can change quickly. Capability can't. You know, you can't flip a switch and get a missile frigate. You have to have the capability to build it. And they do and we don't. So you see, it's the underlying disproportion, if you will, the, the, the weakness across a, 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 um, a spectrum of capabilities that are necessary for national defense, weakness relative in particular to China. That's the underlying problem. And of course, I, you know, 
I go there in part because I've been preaching this gospel for 30 years as, as we've allowed our forces to decline, often in the names of economy. We're going to save money. Well, yeah, we're saving money now. We got a war we probably could have prevented, and we might have another one in Taiwan. And it's very, very frustrating to watch it. To feel pretty strongly, you know prob- what it's going to result in, and, and not being able to stop it. <clears throat> All right. So, of course, let's get down now to the very difficult question. And again, if you're just joining us, we're talking with uh, Senator Jim Talent, uh, who will be joined by Dakota Wood uh, from Heritage our good friend Dakota, uh, on our event uh, coming along in uh, March, uh, here March 14th, Defending America, Telling Stories We Shouldn't Tell, which is sold out. And Jim, I think that's a testimony to the power of the knowledge and wisdom that you and Dakota will bring and have brought to these airwaves and, of course, on your many other platforms that, that you um that you talk through um, and it's it's sold out in record time 10 days it was sold out and so i can't wait to to see you and, and dakota that night um but there are those in in the conservative movement those who would agree with you on economic principles tight borders limited government and everything else you say you're just a neocon who wants to support the military industrial complex and i mean i'm talking the tulsi gabbards of the world the tucker carlson's of the world a lot of people listening to the show are saying but what we need? What the heck are we doing in Ukraine, fighting a proxy war? I mean, you've heard this kind of criticism. So, what say you? How do you push back on that, or do you push back? Yeah, you know, well, I you know I don't. When I say push back, I explain my view of why it was good to do this, and it's you know it's not. Um, this is another weakness of the Biden administration. They've never explained this in terms of American interest, in my opinion. That doesn't necessarily mean they convince people, but I mean, they haven't really even tried. And I think it's because they're operating from some sense of democracy or the norm based international order. And in my opinion, it's because Putin has, by his actions, made the Russian state an adversary of the security of the United States and the interests of the United States. Uh, and I actually wrote right at the beginning of the conflict um, in threatening. NATO allies building up forces that are designed, should he wish to use them, to attack, for example, the Baltic countries, which are NATO allies, uh, in in his cyber, he's the biggest state sponsor of cyber crime, cyber espionage. Uh, his activities in the Middle East have destabilized uh, that area and um, supported Hezbollah, Hamas, and Iran, which is um, our enemy in the Middle East. I don't know any other way to put it. Uh, and given the rise to the prospect of a war on, on Israel's northern borders because Iran is resupplying Hezbollah there. And he has made himself the junior partner of what Xi Jinping is doing in the Indo-Pacific, which is aimed directly at the security of the United States because they want to control that region and they want to be at the top of the international hierarchy, uh, from which position they will dictate things like where we can move trade and travel in the world. If they are successful, we are going to see in the years to come, the Chinese telling us, for example, you know what, you can't have a military, you can't have an air base on Guam. Uh, you can't, you can't uh, sell goods to Southeast Asia except in our terms. Yep. Uh, the Japanese have to give us the Senkaku Islands. 
Uh, I mean, this is where they are headed. Okay, and right. he I, is their ally. So I my hear feeling you. I is, hear you. you know, the adversary of our adversary is our friend. Which I got doesn't it. mean I just I wrote a column about a month ago about this that our aims in this war are the same as Ukraine's. Our aim was really for Russia to lose. Their aim is to win. And okay, all right. And Jim, and we're next, running. We're running out of. T- we're running out of time, and I regret that dearly. But you know what? That's the reason that we need to talk with you more often. <laughs> and people who are going well, to see you and hear you. The 14th, although I, I do, in closing, I want to say to folks, we're, you know, Dakota and I are not going to just, we're going to try and keep this not light because this is not a light subject. But we're going to have a free flow of conversation, and I Got think it. it's going to be informative and entertaining. I'll let you go. I can't. I can't wait, man. I, and I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for being with me, Jim. Really appreciate it. Look forward to the 14th. Okay. Thanks. There he is, Jim Talent. We'll be back and uh, talk with Virginia Crew to the top of the hour. Stay there, guys. There ain't nothing.